Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dinner time is here. That's right. We're talking about Hannibal Season 2, Episode 3, On Dish by Dish. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the Baltimore Institute for the Criminally Insane. This is Dish by Dish, the Kill by Kill side project, where we watch an episode of Hannibal, and then we talk about it. And of course, there is only one person in this world or any other that I trust that uh, if... (laughs) (laughs) that if uh, I get hauled up into court, she will walk up to the, uh, to the testimony box. What is that called? Uh, The the witness stand, witness stand, walk up to the witness stand, dressed like a Dick Tracy villain and off against me. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today? Gina? Oh oh my God. This, this, (laughs) this fucking episode. Jesus. (laughs) It, it, it's not it's not the creepiest it's not no. the most gruesome although although there is a pretty gruesome oh. death at the end the end but gets it, pretty it, gruesome it is the smarmiest <laughs> episode so far there are so many smug and smarmy you, you've got you've got the double header mm. of, of of chilton and freddie lounge in the same fucking episode that that that's too much. Plus you've got the, <laughs> plus you've got the prosecutor and you've got the defense attorney. They're both gigantic assholes. Yes. You know? it's no, like, it's really become you, an asshole fest in this, in this particular <laughs> episode. Yeah. Everybody is just really enjoying this, this trial, just making a feast of this trial, in which these <laughs> teenage girls were killed and eaten and everybody's, <laughs> everybody's just smirking at each other. And, and, you know, you know, practically making like gotcha fingered fingered guns at each other, and it's just like, oh, oh yeah. my god! Will really managed to piss some people off just by living his life, man. He has like people really dislike him. Like Chilton is obviously jealous as fuck, right? Like right. that's yeah. his diagnosis. Basically, is. Will is everything he wants to be. He wants to be that smart. He wants to be that profound. Uh, I'd say he wants to be that attractive, but in any other role, Raul Esparza is hot as fuck. Yeah, I mean, they, there's something, I think it's the character. I mean, literally, yeah. I think the character is just so loathsome that it it actually makes him less attractive. <laughs> and we talked, uh, I, I was actually listening to uh, one of the episodes from last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about, you know, why Freddie just seems to really have it out for him. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you had suggested that, you know, she, she wishes it's also some, you know, almost a professional jealousy yeah. where she wishes that she had, you know, Will's powers of deduction to, you know, so she could personally solve a crime and, and, you know, you know, be the best true crime blogger there ever was, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think she wants legitimacy. Right. right? But, 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 but people who write about true crime, generally aren't the people that solve that crime they they right. they report on i mean i think maybe you know there have been a couple of instances where like you know a detective you know on a certain case wrote a book about it later but generally most true crime is is reported on later after the fact yes or you know, it's, it's not you know, it's not that she solved the crime and then writes about it 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want all the exclusive information about it so that you can capitalize on it. Also, there's that phenomenon of a true crime book or series documentary or whatnot, bringing new information to light and especially on cold cases, sort of warming them up with new information and getting the audience and public at large interested in closing the book on this for reals. Right. And, and I, so I'm not quite understanding what her motivation is, you know, for one thing, I don't know why she shows up in trial dressed like Tess Trueheart, <laughs> you know, with this like 1940s, you know, you know, giant hat on covering her face. Like she's ashamed to be there. And then like, just makes this out, drops this outrageous lie. And, and that's the crazy fucking thing. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like does, so does she? Hard. You know, does does she? You know, does she realize that Will is not responsible for Abigail's death, but you know, blames him for it anyway, and says, "Well, someone's got to burn for this," or does right. she just you know, or does she just feel like make, continuing to make his life miserable for no good reason? It's a bit from column A, bit from column B. I think the diagnosis for me so far is is that she truly does believe Will is, is too connected to the kinds of people that he hunts, that he is deep down as broken and as dangerous as they are. And he just has too clever a veneer. And as we see with several other characters, like that flaw in herself is what she sees in other people. So he's got to be dirty. He just, he just, there's no way he could be clean in this. His hands have to be blood fucking red. And then on the flip end of that, I do think she is petty enough that because Will tried to stop Abigail from collaborating on this book and because Abigail was killed before the completion of it, this is revenge. Right. And then like, and, and then like the, the defense attorney just shuts her down anyway, because she's a big lying liar who lies all the time. <laughs> it's uh, putting her on the stand is a grand mistake. And I don't feel like the prosecutor in this case makes a ton of them, but holy fuck, putting her on the stand is really not smart. Yeah, I, I don't know that you want to have, you know, the 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 uh the admin of you you murderstab.com or whatever the, the name of her website <laughs> is. Uh, you know, as your best, you know, authority on on, you know, a case like this. She's a professional. It's Ms. Murderstab to you, Gina Radcliffe. You know, also, I, I, I am I am not a lawyer. I, I do work for one. Mm-hmm. I mean, she should have been shut down as soon as she said, oh, well, Abigail said that, you know, she was afraid that Will was going to to you know, kill and eat her. That would be hearsay. That is hearsay. Yeah, that, 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 is, that not, is 100% that, hearsay. And as someone who we know was recording those conversations, the first, the one of the things I would ask are, uh, why didn't you, if, if she's on the stand, why didn't she turn over her notes and the tapes from these conversations to verify that she said this and then do the, you've been, you've been taken to court six times, like take out every single point of her argument instead of just one. I mean, I know the episode's 43 minutes. You have to cut it somewhere. But. Well, also, I mean, the, the, you know, in, in a, in a TV series that, that, you know, thrives on the the outrageous and the implausible and the unbelievable. Perhaps the most unbelievable thing is that the 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 lapse time between Will getting arrested and Will going on trial 
looks to be about two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That is not how the justice system works in these here United States. No, but it is is the magic of television. I think we're in that. So, so we'll let that, we'll let that, uh, well, of course you're going to let it slide. I'm just, I'm just, you know, they're, they're not going for realism here. No, 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 no. I think that that's an across the board statement. (laughs) We've made that case quite plain. They're not going for realism. I think they're going for emotional truth, I think is what it comes down to. Right. And, uh, when it comes to, uh, this particular episode's title has soon, uh, when you see two consonants together in Japanese, you have to pronounce each. That's what I remember from my two years living in Japan. But in a kaisiki meal, uh, the hasun is uh, the seasonal platter. So it's essentially the freshest elements that you have coming to bear. And you're you're setting the sort of tone for what the meal is before you've woken up the the palate with the amuse bouche. Now you're now you're into okay, it's a meal, but what's it going to really be about? This is what it is, and when it comes to the theme of this meal that we're having on Hannibal, it's that everyone has too many emotions about each other. They're just overflowing. With emotions. And we also get, you know, the the palate cleanser of another human ear. (laughs) That's right. Uh, You know, nothing is better than having uh, someone lending you an ear. Well, how about uh, an ear that just shows up to court that might point to a different killer? That's what Will gets here. And we have an interesting sort of moment where... (laughs) Everyone's saying, like, the truth will set you free, and it's an entire episode about people lying to actually get the truth to come to light. It's, wow. The themes in this show are fucking wild. Well, what, um, I, lo- what, what I love is, uh, you know, in keeping with the, 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 the running gag of the show of, you know, characters just reacting to things in a way that they, you know, would not normally react to them in real life. The... the, the Will's attorney opens up the envelope and the ear falls out. And he's like, oh, I think this is your mail. <laughs> just, just to like, yeah, oh, that's an ear. All right. <laughs> not revulsion, not like pushing back from the table. Like there's a, a rocket tied to his ass. Uh, yeah, not like, yo, yo, oh, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> like, he just doesn't bat an eye. Oh, I think this is for you. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, it's like you're like you're like open an envelope and, and you realize it's actually for Becky. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then an ear falls out of it and I you know, oops I mean, a doodle. Yeah. Oops among us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now getting back to that sort of core of the Will Hannibal dynamic, the first season can almost be chalked up to uh, a meat cute and a complication. The complication is can two people, one who can read and understand psychopaths and a true psychopath uh, and sociopath, can they fall in love? And the can, these, can, these here, two, can these two crazy kids work, work, work out their differences? It is a comes down to a, a real complication here because Hannibal, well, he may think he is ready. For that level of friendship and honesty and being on the same level as your partner, he's not. 
because he is now currently set Will up to be in a very abusive situation. He has all the power and he holds all the cards. Will's behind bars. He's accused of multiple murders. No one is going to believe him because his brain was on fire. And then they say, oh, he's only using, you know, his brain being on fire as an excuse. Like everything's going against Will. And Hannibal's kind of like, well, if you trust me, I can get you out of this. Like that's not a, and that's not a good place for a relationship, my dude. No, 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 it, it, it is not. I think power dynamics might be one of the themes I want everyone and ourselves to look at when it comes to this particular season is it's not that they don't have an emotional connection, but if they're not going to be honest and they're not going to be on the same level, you're not really in a relationship. What no, are we I mean, talking that- about again? Oh, Hannibal. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, yeah, that, that's, you know, that, that's, you know, relationship one-on-one. You, you have to agree what kind of relationship you're in. It turns out that the ear uh, that landed on the uh, courtroom desk there came from a bailiff, a bailiff who stole a knife from the evidence room and never returned it. So when Jack hears this information, he sends a couple FBI agents in to check it out. Wouldn't you know it? The place is booby trapped, and it goes up in a giant ball of flame. And we have we have another body mounted on deer antlers. Yeah, just old, displayed there. Old reliable. <laughs> you know, I was, I was yeah. watching. I was watching. I'm thinking that that's actually a, a fairly popular way to kill people in movies on television and on television. And I. I have no idea if that is something that has ever borne itself out in real life. I, I, I want to say, I'm probably wrong, but I want to say the first instance of it was San, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, um, yeah. But I mean, I'm probably wrong. That's, that's certainly the first you know time I recall seeing it. Sure, yeah. But I, I, I don't think that that, I've never heard of a true life case of someone being found mounted on deer antlers. No. Uh, listen, if you know... First of all, shame on you. Second of all, let us know. Like, share your yeah, no, I'm, totally, I'm 100% serious. I, I want to know if this is something that has ever actually happened in real life because it's it happens a lot. But <laughs> it, 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 you know, a good, you know, you call it Chekhov's deer antlers because if there's <laughs> if there is a meaningful shot of, of you know, a mounted deer head on a wall, at some yeah. point, you know, a human body is going to be hanging off of it. Yeah, uh, and very importantly, uh, with this particular mounting, it, it is the sort of field kabuki uh, thing that we saw in episode one, season one. Uh, not only that, but this person, this poor bale of face has been uh, sliced from one ear to he got missing that, one he, ear. He got that, uh, that tongue through the neck thing again, like uh, yes. like uh, like Will's neurologist. Uh, I I believe someone refers to it as a Glasgow smile. Yeah, I've never heard that. I mean, they they do say that. I've never heard it referred to as that before. <laughs> but fine, whatever you, whatever you say. Yeah, it, it's it's basically you know, you know, quote unquote Will's greatest hits. Yeah, for sure, it, it's hitting all the touchstones. And Will sort of sees this in inside of his mind palace when he's shown all the pictures in the police report, and you see him slice off a guy's ear 
And I'm thinking, this is the same fucking network that aired Super Train and Family Ties, Gina. That's what I was thinking about with uh, the last episode where where uh, the, the guy in the silo is is trying to like rip himself off of the, you know, the the you know, display of bodies he's been glued to, and and yeah. it does not look away, no. and. And, and yeah, I mean, you can see the knife in the guy's mouth in this one. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, we, we haven't even gotten to to I mean, you don't see it happen, but you see the aftermath, the the, the kill at the end of the episode. And yeah. it's like you you how was Brian Fuller not constantly getting angry phone calls? You know, Fuller, I what think- the hell are you doing? From you know, <laughs> J, J Marvin NBC. <laughs> I let my five-year-old stay up to 10 o'clock on a Friday night, and this is what he sees. Oh, my God. It is so fucking grisly, and, but glorious, because it's not like everything else on television, and it's not just sprays of blood or weird monsters. Like, there have been weird monsters on TV since the 90s, really, uh, you know, and... This is so much worse than that. I mean, this is true, unadulterated, fantastic, practical gore. Siskel and Ebert would have been through the fucking roof about this shit. Oh, yeah. They would have been rattling off, like, giving names to everybody involved in the making of the show (laughs) to, like, shame them. But you have to be, the whole show, the whole tone of the show is just, it's drama, it's yeah. it you 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 keep referring to it as opera, which I think that's actually a better way to put it. But you, you can't have a sort of you know you know watered down you know or the the camera you know just pans away at the last minute you know for the for the murders here you, you know they have to be as over the top as everything else about this. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it's not trivial. I, this is the difference between this and let's say. And I, and I can't say I'm a great expert because I've watched like 10 criminal minds in my entire life because once upon a time I sold the criminal minds and syndication and then again on a different network. Like I, I've, I've seen my fair share of criminal minds uh, episodes and not to put anyone down who, you know, has contributed to that show. Like it's a formula. It was obviously popular, but I also feel because its nature was, we're just like chewing through these quote unquote psychos that it doesn't feel emotionally connected. And the one thing that Hannibal has in, in spades is it is full of emotion and you are, while it lacks for realism, it's not its goal. It's emotional truth. Well, that's also not to belabor our issues with Clarice, you know, this is, this is, you know, this fits into the Hannibal Lecter universe. When you, uh-huh. when you think of like the, one of the, you know, most memorable scenes in Silence of the Lambs is the, is the, uh, the security guard hung up on the cell bars with like the angel wings, yes. you know, just how dramatic that is. Or, you know, in, in, uh, uh, Red Dragon, he's got this massive tattoo on his back. You know, yeah. in, in, in Hannibal, you've got someone, you know, sort of hung by their own intestines. And then you've got what happens to, to Paul Krendler in that. Yeah. And it's, everything is just super over the top and, and, and just almost comically you know, 
unbelievable, but you can't look away. Whereas like you, Clarice is very much in the, in the, you know, criminal minds vein where they're a little embarrassed that the show's about murder. (laughs) Whereas, you know, these, you know, this show and these movies kind of revel in it. Yeah. They they kind of revel in the horrible things that, you know, a person could do to another person's body. if They set their mind to it it doesn't feel the need to settle into a traditional groove. And I think something, and listen, we, we, again, we don't want to bash Clarice to rise, you know, you, you know, raise Hannibal up, but ultimately Clarice is on a network in which it wants whatever the particular song is to sit within the same groove so that the audience doesn't turn away. They're like, Nope. It may be in the set in the nineties and it may be about serial killers and it may have something to do with this movie that won an Oscar once upon a time, but really it's about these plucky police officers who only want the best from us in society and to bring people to justice. And sometimes they sit around and eat Chinese food and wonder why they can't get dates. It's, There's just a rhythm to that where it's fitting into the same motions because that is what the audience is comfortable with. And Hannibal is not interested in your comfort. No, it is not. (laughs) It sure isn't. It just isn't. And there's something jarring about that. But there's also something revelatory about that because you don't know what to expect. It is playing against the things that you would normally see on NBC at 10 p.m. And therefore, it is revolutionary in, in, in a lot of respects. And the fact that it happened at all was amazing. The fact that it continued to happen for three seasons and the fact that people still talk about it to this day tells you that there is something that connects people to the show because they are surprised, they're jarred and connected to characters beyond place settings and being told this person's protagonist, this person's best friend. Yeah, I mean, you could watch like a, 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 you know, a dozen procedurals and not really remember any kind of standout episode where here you just get all kinds of images that, you know, will just stick in your mind forever. <laughs> it's, it's just so surprising. And it, and it feels like everyone knows exactly the game they're playing. So therefore, everyone is moving in the right directions. Like, yeah, this this show doesn't want you to like Freddie Lounge, and it gives you plenty of fuel for that fire. But she also shows up looking like a dynasty villain, so I it's a that. feast for the fucking eyes. I love that. It's like, why? <laughs> why? Why is she wearing this ginormous fedora? It's like if you it's like you put Ant Man juice into Indiana Jones hat. And it just grew three fucking sizes. She's like, going to court, putting on my court hat. Like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? Yeah, it's like, it's like, what was is Perry Mason defending this case? Come on now. <laughs> and not that newfangled uh, Perry Mason where he never sees the inside of a courtroom. Like, like uh, an old Perry Mason. Not the Perry Mason where he just like you know, drinks and has a lot of sex. Yeah. <laughs> Which could have been happening in that 60s show, but that was off camera. We didn't see it. 
Yeah, and HBO, we got to see some reverse cowgirl, or it's not HBO, baby. <laughs> they put on this defense where Hannibal's kind of like, listen, you know and I know that this murder isn't the guy who killed those other four people, but how many people are going to figure that out? Let's just do this. Let's make this happen. And, you know, Hannibal, I think, is... He's not good at thinking on his feet. He's more of a planer. And when it comes to this stuff, there's just too many free radicals. So when he gets up on the stand, like things go awry. And before you know it, the judge who was like, ah, I'll allow it. I want to hear this out. It's like, no, fuck this defense is out. You can't bring it up again. I want this testimony struck from the record. You know, like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. How are we going to get out of this one? Yeah, Hannibal is definitely not not used to not being able to talk himself out of a situation. Yes, he's very good at creating the controls of something. And this is just too many moving pieces. But there's one thing he figures out to do, and that's to yeet that judge's brain out of his head, (laughs) string him up by a couple of chains. (laughs) Yeah, just for good measure, you cut his heart out. And his and his brain to see which one weighs the most. It, 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 I mean, you know, tail as old as time. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, just and again and again, everybody peeled down. Everybody just sort of like you know, Justin the judge for Prince and being like, well, guess it's Tuesday. It <laughs> 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 the only the only per, the only people that remotely react to it like normal people are like the janitor. And uh, uh, Cynthia Nixon's character, uh, Katie, Katie. You know, looks mildly nauseous. <laughs> She's so pissed off. <laughs> She's both revolted and pissed. Um, right. <laughs> and in that moment, like, I feel for her because she's like listen we just need to get this shit over with this she's like this is never gonna be over with why did i why did i get rounded up in you crazy people in this shitty situation you're gonna bring us all down why did i ever leave new york <laughs> i'd finally moved to brooklyn and had a place to myself and i had a kid everything was coming up me but no <laughs> I don't remember what her husband's called. I oh, I had no fucking idea. I never really watched the show. <laughs> I, I, saw it, I, I just knew, I just knew, you know, the whole thing where she moved to Brooklyn and like everybody carried on, like, like she moved to Idaho or something. <laughs> that's right. That's I, I, what I, I Brooklyn I, is, right? I will tell you a, a secret. I, I live in Brooklyn. It takes about 25 minutes to get into the city. 25 minutes, it, Gina. It is not, it, it is not a, 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 you know, Grand sacrifice to to be able to visit your friends when they live in Brooklyn. I think it's a very LA uh, mindset because twenty five minutes in LA time feels like well I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> like you'd be like when I lived on one sort of side of the hill, I'm like, there's no fucking way you're dragging me all the way down to Santa Monica Boulevard for this bitch for this bullshit. But when I was like closer, I was like, okay, like I can do that. I can I. You know, I have more freedom of movement. Whereas when I was like in North Hollywood, like, I don't know, fucking do that. That sounds like a real pain in the ass. It's the same thing here. Like as the crow flies, it's not that far for me to go up to Santa Monica and Venice. I just don't fucking do it. I just don't. 
doesn't sound like a good fucking time staying here. Uh, that's an L.A. mindset. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, New York, it's like, well, you know, if I want to see anybody, I'm going to have to get on a train. <laughs> right. But you have all the trains. That's the nice thing is that you do have trains. Oh, yeah. You got to be out of your mind to try to drive in the city. You just have no. to be out of your cut and pick in mind. <laughs> Well, I refuse to do that level of cotton or picking. Um, but we do have a bit of choose your own death venture here to suss out. Um, would you rather, if you were forced to die this way, um, be shot, then flopped onto uh, elk's antlers and be given the Glasgow smile and get one of your ears chopped off? Or be shot, have your brain and heart taken out, um, be strung up on chains uh, like Lady Justice, uh, whatever the hell that's called. Oh, you know I'm a big fan of the the, the antler mounting. Yeah, and you know you, you sh- you're shot in the heart. You're 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 checking out pretty fast. True. Yes, both of them don't really see where they're going. It really depends on how you prefer your presentation. Yeah, I guess I I I, I like to be your antler. See, I like the idea of my head being peeled open because I think that might be a more attractive face shape for me. <laughs> and, you know, they could just, you know, you know, use the top of your head for a planter. Exactly. Like, there's another use for that. Like, he kind of peels everything down to make a blindfold. I mean, it's very artistic. It always is. I mean, and also, like, where does he have, like, he wandered into a courthouse with some fucking chains ready to do this? And, and did he, like, you know, did he bring, like, a Tupperware container for the brain? What happened to his brain? Did, did he, no, did, it's on the scales of justice. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even notice that. Oh, okay, okay. The brain's way more than the heart. Oh. He was using, he, he was using logic over love in, in Hannibal's eyes. Clever. He was rude. And that's why that motherfucker's dead. Uh, so that... <laughs> Just about does it. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I am a writer uh, at the spool.net. I cover the TV and movie beat. Uh, and I am on Twitter under porcelain72. Rate and review us on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. You know, friends and family who like Hannibal, tell them about us. Uh, let them know that this is happening Let's, uh, let's make a meal out of dish by dish while it is on our plate. And that does it for us. But don't worry, folks. The Body Count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen. Fuck. Fuck that up. <laughs>